Good Saturday afternoon, everybody. It is the 10th of July, and my title today is The Gift of Spiritual Birth, which goes along with the boot camp day number 21. This week, I received an email from a man who is really struggling to believe that he has not lost his salvation. When I wrote about boldly approaching the throne of Jesus, sitting on his throne of grace, he said he could never do that. And he wrote to me these words, quote, I find myself mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually incapable, strained, utterly beaten down by doubt, or troubled by disbelief that anything you say about love, life, joy, or freedom in Jesus can never be mine. Now, can you feel the pain that this man is in? I can, because I've been there myself. After the sins I've committed, how could Jesus possibly still love me? Surely I've disqualified myself from his salvation, and he wants nothing more to do with me. However, I've learned over the past 15 years and 10 months of my own journey, I've learned that these thoughts are lies. So many men find themselves in that place. And for some reason, God has given me the calling to join them in that place and help them arise with restored hope. And I hope I'm doing that for you. If one believes that their salvation is contingent upon fulfilling the rules of being a Christian, then my question to them is this, uh, which rules? Like the Ten Commandments given to Israel? Or the 613 commandments created by the Pharisees? If one was going to keep the Big Ten, then you had to keep the 613 what are the rules for Christians? Or what are the absolute essentials that one must keep and do if they want to remain a Christian? Well, here's what Paul says about having rules that Christians must follow. In Colossians chapter 2, at the end of the chapter, he writes, These rules are these things, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Listen, my friends, rules never create purity. They only point out sin. And most of you know that I believe very strongly that no born-again Christian who is saved by grace and has been sealed in Christ by the Spirit as our assurance that we will receive our inheritance in heaven. Well, can they wander away like the prodigal son? Yes, but they come back. Can they become addicted to addictive behaviors and addictive substances? Yes, of course. However, God never removes any of his children from his family because they're struggling with sin. He knew all of all of our sins before he saved us, and he saved us anyway. 
so that he can help transform us into godlier men. Now, the boot camp passage for today, we read these words in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Quote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So what does it say about our new birth or our spiritual birth. What does Peter write and what does he mean? Does it tell us what rules we need to follow and keep maintaining for our status of being saved? No. He says God has, quote, caused us to be born again. It was his work. Our salvation is the gift of God and it's given to those he's chosen to save. So we are born again because God caused us to be born again. Peter then goes from the beginning of our salvation to consider the end of our salvation and what awaits us in heaven. And he kind of does it in a weird way, in that instead of describing it to us for what it is, he tells us, what it is not. And here are the three things that our inheritance is not. Quote, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Now, our inheritance that God has for us and is keeping for us because of his grace and not because of our works he says, is imperishable. Now, that word imperishable is used only 10 times in the New Testament. Six of those are found in 1 Corinthians 15. And every time in that passage, it is talking about the imperishable body that we are going to have in heaven. So do you struggle with sickness, with aging, with disease? Or death, what is waiting for you in heaven is an imperishable body that will never experience any of those things. And then the next part that is our inheritance, he jumps to, or he says, is it is undefiled. Another part is that our inheritance will be undefiled. Now this word, is only used four times in the New Testament, and one of those is speaking to the undefiled life of Jesus, our Savior. Hebrews 7.26 To be undefiled means to be holy, spotless, pure, just as Jesus was. So forever, all of us will live lives that are pure and holy, and never again will we have to deal with temptation, sin, guilt, 
fear, shame, all of us will be perfected and we will live a completely righteous and undefiled life for eternity. Then the third word that Peter uses to tell us about our inheritance is the word unfading. I believe this speaks to the setting around us in heaven, that every day for eternity, we will be in a place where there is no erosion or decay. Things are not going to be dying and falling apart in heaven. There's going to be a fresh newness in heaven that will take your breath away when you first see it. And it will continue to do that every day. The newness never wears off like everything else in this present world. So God causes us to be born again. And he has for us this inheritance in heaven that will never perish, never become defiled or fading away. Perfection forever is what God has for all of us who have been born again by the Spirit of God because God gave us the faith to believe and by his grace we have been born again into his family. Now between the moment that we are caused to be born again until our lives end and we go to heaven, There's this time period in which we're living now. It's called our life here on earth. What about that? What does Paul write about that as part of our salvation? Well, what he writes is the truth. He says, quote, In this, in the fact that we're going to go to heaven and all of the good things there, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, You have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen, my friends, in this life, Peter says, We're going to have to go through various trials. The word various there is literally the word for multifaceted. And during our lifetime, we know this is true because we have and are still having things happen to us uh, that are all kinds of trials, multifaceted trials. And these trials should be seen not as punishment, but as God using them to purify us as fire purifies gold. Now, some of our trials may indeed be a result of our continuing in sin and experiencing the disciplines of our loving Father. But our trials are not punishment for being bad. All punishment for our sins was taken on by Jesus, and it's paid for. There are forms of discipline that a loving father gives to make us stronger and to encourage us to live a pure life because sin, no matter what kind of sin, always causes dying and death and sometimes even to the children of God. 
This is John Doyle with 180 Podcast. God bless you, my friends. The salvation we have is great. It is eternal. It is a gift. And if you, and if you have trusted in Christ, you are born again. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. God bless you, my friends. Have a great day in the Lord and worship him tomorrow or today or every day. And we'll talk again on Monday. Take care.